I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, welcome to an outdoor edition of the Touch Em All podcast. Love it. The, yeah, the, the, the Twins have us feeling just really... Uh, I don't know. Sour? Really dreary <laughs> and horrible about ourselves after the <laughs> three-game series against the Astros. And so instead of going inside, they're on the road. They're in Los Angeles. They're playing the Angels. And instead of recording inside of uh, a 1500 ESPN studio, we decided to take it outside the Guthrie downtown Minneapolis. It kind of feels like Anaheim where we're sitting. It it's is, not quite as warm. It's 80 and sunny in real life. It's more like 55 and overcast over the Twins right now. <laughs> yeah. And... Much worse than that, a hurricane of some kind or a tropical storm over the, the bullpen specifically. All right, so let me let me throw this question at you right away. After the historic implosion, so many different records or or ofer streaks were broken. The Astros had never, uh, I think when they were trailing by something like six runs or more after eight, they had never won a game in yeah. their franchise history, even going back to the Colt 45 days. It only took 660 tries for them to pull that one off. Yeah, first team in the history of baseball, according to Tim Kirkjian, to be trailing by six or more after eight and then win a game by eight runs or more. And then in the final game of the series, it was just bombs away, and Chris Jimenez made his third appearance of the season for the Twins. So just, uh, I think I also saw nine innings pitched for the bullpen in the series. 29 hits and 28 runs allowed, 10 walks, and only three strikeouts. Yikes. So one full game and almost 30 runs allowed on 40-ish base runners. And you wind up with Randy Rosario and Alex Wimmers joining the team in Los Angeles. Do you think... Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, even though they've clearly been taking the long view with the rebuilding of this organization, do you think they dropped the ball by not putting out a more competitive bullpen to start the season? Um, well, that's actually I shouldn't be caught off guard by that question, but I, I am. I think that we talked about this on the radio this week about what you thought about this team coming into the winter. And I'll just paint the picture of the backdrop, which was last year, you and I were banging our heads against the wall saying, how come you haven't signed any more relievers? You think you're a contender with this bullpen? And the Twins basically said yes, and they were obviously proven wrong, and so were we. Yeah, last year, I remember our conversations going into the year where you realize you're hoping for about three best-case scenarios yeah. to happen. Praying that Michael Tonkin Jepson. becomes. Yeah. Yes. Jepson, Michael Tonkin. Glenn Perkins uh, is fine. Sure, Ryan Presley. It was it was a lot of hope. It was the hope show. And this year, I don't think I really gave them as much heat because, well, you're coming off 103 losses. Are you going to turn that into a 90-win club and go win a playoff series? Probably not. Now that that discourse has changed a little bit, now that we're thinking more like, Actually, maybe. Maybe this team's a postseason team. I think those warts have been exposed a little bit more. To me, the conversation hasn't changed at all. Is this bullpen any good or not? No, is the answer. But the the question of does that matter has changed a lot in the last three months. I don't think coming into spring training I would have said, well, it'll it'll be a great team with the huge underpinning being that the bullpen's just not good enough to compete. And 
and now that's sort of what we're looking at. That's exactly what's materialized. Yeah, I on the on the actual question should should they take some heat the new front office guys for not building a more competent bullpen. Do you notice how I dodged that question? Definitely. Well, it's, it's and a, expertly. I think well, I think the short answer is yes to some degree they do because this thing it's it's the worst bullpen in the league sure. and it was last year. So, and you could make a case that unless unless they have another swing back in their favor that it's it's a worse bullpen than last year because at least you went into the year with Glenn Perkins. You thought he was going to be a piece to the puzzle and so you Trevor May was in your bullpen last mm-hmm. year. Uh, they lost some key pieces, and they replaced them with a guy in Craig Breslow who's been cut by three teams in two years and had to rework his entire delivery in order to get a minor league deal. Yeah. And Matt Belial, I, I, people are hammering the Twins for the Matt Belial signing. 37 years old. He's been really good for the last nine or ten years, and I believe had a sub-two ERA in the National League last year. He did. So there were no signs that he would just completely implode and be unable to get anybody out, as he has seemingly with his, what, nine-something ERA yeah. in the first couple months. So I, I understand they were going for leadership. They were going for just a couple guys to sort of fill the gaps until some of these mid-20s, 26-year-old guys like Melotakis, and they've got a bunch of arms in AA and AAA who have yet to really surface. And we're actually, we're going to see Randy Rosario. So, yeah. And Alex Wimmers, we saw some last year. He's a former first-round pick from 2010. I understand what they wanted to do going in. Let's just get a look the entire season. If it takes us 15 or 18 guys to cycle through, mm-hmm. let's get a look at all these guys in AA and AAA, give them a chance first to sort of prove that they have the stuff to get Major League hitters out. Are they part of the future? Are they not? Let's not Let's not go spend money on four veteran relievers on yeah. a team that's probably going to lose 90-plus games. So I get what they were doing, but ultimately you run a front office, you're responsible for what – what has now become the worst bullpen in baseball once again. Yeah, I would say that your points are spot on and that this kind of fits my model this winter of talking about this is a learning year for Falvey and Levine. Well, they learned a lot about Ryan <laughs> Presley in the first two months. I See, I don't know. I still contend there's something there. I, and maybe we but can, at what point are we going to... Exactly. I agree. The guy's got amazing stuff, but yeah. at what point? He's, he's 28, not yeah. 23. It's yeah. time to go, dude. I agree. I, I don't know what's wrong, and Mahler wouldn't touch that when I asked him, but it's... It's bad. It's all kinds of bad. You went from thinking he was maybe a future setup guy or closer to wondering if he'll be back in the big leagues. I mean, he will be back in the big leagues, but will he be, you know, back end of the bullpen guy back in the big leagues just because they need a body, or will he be legit late inning option back in the big leagues at some point? Look at the look at the change from last year's bullpen to this year's. Now I'm cherry picking, so this is going to make the picture maybe look worse than it is. But you effectively. This winter, you've this opening day from last opening days. Those are the two points of comparison. You've effectively lost Glenn Perkins. You lost Trevor May. You lost a guy you thought was going to be a good late inning option for you, and Kevin Jepson. He turned out not to be, but it was the thought going into last year from the Twins. You lost those three guys. What did you replace them with? Brandon Kinsler, who was an amazing breakout candidate last year, probably pitched above his head uh, if you look at his peripheral numbers, but did a solid job. He acquitted himself well in that job. What else did you replace it with? I mean, Mapple Isle. I feel like you're casting shade upon Drew Rusinski too much right now. <laughs> I accidentally called him Dan Ruchinski a couple of times this week, and and not many people noticed i don't think Doug Ruchinski. Yeah. although as somebody tweeted back at me this was not going to work here this right. was hilarious somebody tweeted back you mean dane zipchinski <laughs> 
Yes. All right. Nailed it. That's, That's the guy. Pretty yes. good. So that guy who still has a forty man roster spot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was really funny. And, I mean, but that's that's what the twins are doing here. They're just cycling through forty man guys, right? Like uh, you know Although Wimmers was not on the forty man. Right. He was previously They got rid the- of they got rid of Jason Wheeler for the <laughs> for the right to add uh, Alex Wimmers. Did I say that backwards? They got rid of Jason Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they DFA'd him. For the in right. In front of his family, mind you. Ooh, yeah. His well. family was interviewed on Fox Sports North as as he yeah, imploded. But this actually, is the big he, actually, he didn't implode the first night. He gave up a run or something. I, I think there's been two narratives on that. It's that, like, well, boy, the Twins are really abusing a guy like Buddy Boshears and Drew Ruchinski, sending him up and down and up and down, and poor Jason Wheeler got DFA'd. They got the per diem. They're and he got added to a 40-man. Now he's got to go through waivers, and some team might claim him. He's left-handed, and he's a big guy. If you're the Twins, you can't apologize for that. This is a business. It's the big leagues. I get it. The human side of it kind of sucks for some of these guys. But, like, sorry, you know, this is this is part of the deal. And my, my whole point is that aside from being better at this cycling arms and getting rid of a guy who's not going to be able to pitch for the next three days and either – sending him out to Rochester or putting him on the DL in Justin Haley's case. Like, aside from doing that better this year, managing your roster and massaging those back-end spots a little bit better, the Twins didn't really do anything to upgrade their bullpen this winter, so in a lot of ways it shouldn't be surprising it hasn't worked. They don't have anyone in their current bullpen or, if I'm thinking back to the beginning of the season correctly, anyone they've used in the bullpen so far this year, including Brandon Kinsler, if I were building a team that I thought could win the World Series or win a couple playoff series, and what does that bullpen look like? What do the three best relievers in that bullpen look like? They don't have any of those three right now. Brandon Kinsler could could, be... You could debate Brandon Kinsler as maybe the third guy on that list, but I want... Brandon Kinsler has value in a contending bullpen for sure, Mm -hmm. but to me it's more starting pitcher gets into the sixth or the seventh inning and kind of peters out with a couple guys on and one out, and who do I bring in? I want Brandon Kinsler, worm killer extraordinaire to get a ground ball. He doesn't miss bats, though. And right. if you look at the Twins, this is the state of their... And this is kind of the... The, the bullpen didn't just bottom out in that Astro series for this season. This was a bottoming out of a six- or seven-year slide since the opening of Target Field with that bullpen. Hey, guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three-plus decades, and there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. They've always been on the edge of worst pitching staff in baseball, and, and this was rock bottom. And as they sit, last in bullpen ERA in baseball, last in strikeouts, last in or first in home runs allowed, depending sure. on how you look at that. Yeah. And also last in velocity, okay. average velocity. That is syst- That's a, a systematic issue that goes back a number of yeah. years. That's more previous regime philosophy. They did go on a binge in like 2012 of drafting hard-throwing pitchers. They kind of said, all right, enough of this pitch-to-contact stuff in whatever, 2012. Let's go after Melitakis. Let's go after some of these. And you, and you still see some of these guys in the minor leagues. They're all 26 years old. Right. But you're seeing you're, – you're, there's just – 
nobody ready to pop um, that would that to me would fit into those final three spots, seventh, eighth, ninth innings of a of a team that's really serious about contending. And yeah. Tyler Duffy maybe has that potential at some sure. point. He's not that guy right now. Sure. And you could you could say that yeah, you'd like to keep Taylor Rogers because he's a decent lefty, but he's not a guy that you would say all right. It's the ALCS, right? And it's a one-run game in the eighth. Who's coming in? Taylor Rogers. No, <laughs> the, sorry, that's not going to happen. He has more, yeah, to prove to earn that. And as does Duffy. I'm kind of curious about like where do they go from here? Because uh, the other the other stat that I wanted to throw in there, as long as we're just piling on, but I believe the Twins bullpen is last in uh, swinging strike rate. That would that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just that they don't miss bats, and I get that that's a cliche. People think that that doesn't matter, but it really does there are there are relievers who you can call upon who come in in a game and just like you mentioned two outs in the eighth inning and the base is loaded and you think that there's a reasonable chance yeah. that they could get a strikeout that doesn't feel like the case with the twins even when brian presley was going good you weren't going to necessarily trust that right so now that we've diagnosed the problem and really kind of just that horse is dead and we've continued beating it um, we'll probably stay on this but how how do they improve? And I'll start with the bad news, and that's that some of these young guys that you were maybe hoping would bubble up and, and take advantage this year of some spots. Nick Birdie's getting Tommy John. He's done for the year. JT Shagwa's been hurt. I think the Twins expected him to make the team out of spring training. And What's be a, his, is he going to be back at some point? I don't what? know what the deal is there. I haven't heard in like a couple of weeks, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, and so they expected him to sort of, not just bubble up, be there. I think that they were kind of looking at their bullpen and saying, okay, maybe Glenn Perkins gets back sometime. We've got Brandon Kinsler in that role for now. Ryan Presley, JT Shagwa, those give some reliable late inning guys. Well, Ryan Presley and his 9.5 ERA are heading back to Rochester, and Shagwa is yet to surface. He's been hurt most of the year. Michael Tonkin was terrible before he got sent out. Uh, let's keep going down the list. Like Jake Reed. Uh, these are the names that you've heard for a couple of years. Mason Melitakis, although I was pretty surprised that they didn't give Melitakis the shot here. He was already on the 40-man. It'll, it'll be soon. He's been yeah. pitching well. He's on the 40-man. He's 26 years old. There's... Now, he's in double-A Chattanooga, but if you are a lefty with good stuff and good numbers and on the 40-man, you'll be in the big leagues. Jose Mahares, actually, from a number of years ago, made the jump straight from double-A, I think even okay. in, in a pennant race late in the season. Okay. If Yeah, like you said, if you're a lefty and you can sort of you can hide those guys a little bit more. Now, Melitakis, ideally, would be a guy who get, could get lefties and righties out. Sure. And uh, not right away, maybe, if you're making the jump from straight from double-A. And we'll see what Randy Rosario does. Like, we don't know much about him. We've, I've just seen his stats. I've seen his stuff in spring training. He's electric. Mm-hmm. But I've, I'm... Presley's electric. I know. I was just going to say that <laughs> I'm problem. hardened and cynical enough to now sit and watch a spring training bullpen with a... Pref, uh, like a, a an appropriately jaundiced eye by saying something to the effect of he was electric in a spring training bullpen, but we'll see. You right. could say the same thing about like Michael Tonkin. Okay, I want to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago when you when you dove into uh, the Twins not missing bats at the rate of other teams in baseball and why stuff like that's important. I think of baseball on a a very macro level. My brain works that way. I think of I think of baseball strategy and baseball blueprints as batted balls are in one bin and swings and misses are in one bin and home runs are in one bin. And so whether you're a hitter or a pitcher, you can sort of pull on the strings. There's going to be a certain amount of pitches per game and per year and per team, right? 
So if you have a pie chart of all the pitches, let's just say from a pitching standpoint, so if you're trying to improve your pitching, if you have the highest percentage compared to other teams of swings and misses, and if swings and misses never lead to damage, that's good, right? You want to, you want to, your, your whole goal is to limit damage and limit runs being scored. I'm with you so far. So, so when, when people say, well, an out's an out. So what's the, if it's a strikeout or a ground out, what's the difference? In some cases, you might be saving your pitch count if you get a ground out. Well, you're focused on the result. I'm focused on the process. Batted ball is worse than swing and miss yeah. in general sure. if you're a pitcher because batted ball can lead to damage. Now, ground ball leads to less damage than fly ball. And so if you're allocating the perfect bin and you're trying to build a blueprint for an organization and pitching staff, you want as many swings and misses as possible. And then the result of that would be as many strikeouts as possible. Because you, you're, uh, barring wild pitch swings and misses where guys are circling right. the bases, yeah. there's not going to be damage. And then from there, okay, let's go to the batted balls. Ideally, you'd want more ground balls than fly balls. You'd want the highest percentage of ground balls because what's the worst that can happen? Well, maybe he hits one down the line or hits it really hard and someone's shifting. Maybe it's an extra base hit. A double's part, kind of the, the cap on that. Unless it's, a, yeah, like a lefty triple down the line. Um, so so these fly ball, the, the Twins over the past few years have had fly ball staffs that don't miss bats and bat outfield defense. So, yeah. so, then, if, so then you take, okay, let's go to the batted balls. Whether the grounders flies... How many of those batted balls are you converting to outs? Mm-hmm. And I view all of those things on strings. If you can convert more batted balls into outs than opposing teams, which the Twins are this season, you're in business. Right. If you can get more swings and misses than all the rest of the other teams, you're in business. That's the next step for the Twins. They've, they've kind of locked down with their outfield defense. Byron Buxton bailing out guys like Phil Hughes post-surgery with no fastball and bailing out... The Buddy Boshears, Nick Tepish, Adam Wilk collection. Mm-hmm. Um, they have converted the most batted balls into outs of any team in baseball. The problem is they're still allowing more batted balls than any team in baseball. Yeah. Okay. Two pronged. Does that all make sense? Yes. Or is it way too complicated? No, 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 no. I'm with you okay. all the way. Two pronged. And the first is because uh, I don't like to yeah, but I like to yes, and. We took an improv class together. We did. And, it was very and oh, it was fun. That is friends in that, class. that is the message. Yeah, actually, I only keep in touch with one of them, but uh, all great people. I poke some of them on Facebook still. <laughs> I bet you do. And they have to yes and me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes and. So poke they send back. you the big heart. Yeah. <laughs> so th- there are two prongs to that, and I say that if it just as. To kind of complete what you're saying, not to not to go against any of it, it's like if you have an identical pitching staff, you allow the exact same number of strikeouts and walks and ground balls and line drives and fly balls and home runs, all that stuff's all equal, and you put the best defense in the league with one of those staffs and the worst defense in the league with one of those staffs, there's going to be a demonstrable difference. You get the Royals versus the Twins. You'll definitely the, the notice. The last five years. Yeah, th- yeah, a couple years ago. Until You'll, this year. You definitely notice that difference. Like, it's not just... Oh, well, it's the same batted ball profile, so roughly the same pitching there, staff. There might actually be a 100-run difference between those two teams. And I don't know what it would be. I guess it kind of it depends on the distributions. Like, if if they're both giving up screaming liners all the time, then uh, right. like exactly. <laughs> outfield defense can only help so much. But that's the first prong of my response to your sort of your levers theory of baseball. Oh, well, you want... Uh, you want to lower your opponent's batting average against? Okay, turn some of your fly balls into ground balls. Boom, pull that lever. Yes. Boom, your average just went down. And it's not always as simple as, well, just have your pitchers who are currently on your team try to get more grounders. Yeah. Well, if 
in this Phil Hughes we, is not going to become a ground ball guy yeah, overnight. This is where we get even deeper into the weeds. In general, fastballs that sink more and pitches that move downward more in general lead to more ground balls. Mm-hmm. So if you have, for instance, high spin rate fastball pitchers, you're just not going to get as many ground balls sure. because physics. Yes, yeah, so exactly. Like, so, whether, so whether it's scouting pitchers, you can, you can kind of pull the strings by scouting or by developing early. Maybe you can tweak different mechanics and pitches and whatever. Well, yeah. just along those lines, it'd be really interesting if somebody invested in having the best infield range and defense ever and five ground ball pitchers. I know some staffs have kind of like pushed in that direction a little bit. But, but then you know, the, the Cardinals have kind of, I don't know sure. the intricacies, but the Cardinals went about eight years where they led the league by a wide margin in ground ball rate yeah. as a staff. And they had guys like Scott Rowland at third and sure. Albert Pujols on the roster. Sure. Yeah. They also, though, the trade off is, well, teams start to figure that out and they'll do the same things, taking away a lot of your built in advantage there. And secondly, it's great to be ground ball guy. It's even greater to be strikeout guy. <laughs> so most staves in baseball are trending that direction now. The second prong, finally, as I get back to this, so the first prong is that identical pitching staves don't have to look identical because defense makes pitching better. The second prong is having a high swinging strike rate is great, and striking out a lot of batters is great because, as you mentioned, the only way to get on base with that is a wild pitcher a pass ball. Very rarely going to happen. The next best, best thing would be like an infield pop-up because that's almost 100% and out as well. That just rarely falls for a hit. And so the, the one thing that you have to focus on, though, if you are going the strikeout route, if you are going the, all right, I'm going to just throw a ton of balls in the strike zone, and I'm going to make it with enough movement that you're not going to hit most of them. Well, that's great. But if you are also giving up tons and tons of walks, free base runners, that's not going to help you. So I sort of think about that one not just as swinging strike rate, but as like a ratio of strikeouts versus walks. And I know Fangraphs likes to use the strikeouts minus walk percentage. You take the percentage of batters you strike out, maybe it's 25% Mm -hmm. if you're good and the percentage of headers you walk, let's just call it 10% or something like that, and you've got a 15% quote-unquote difference there between strikeout rate and walk rate. I highly recommend, because I think a lot of the people who listen to our podcast, and if you're still listening to this 20 minutes in and your head hasn't exploded yet, you're probably interested in in just maybe diving a little bit deeper. Fangraphs, go go to Fangraphs and go to the Teams tab and just look at just sort by 2017 or pick a year, whatever you want, and just look at their their main dashboard pages. Yeah. And just look at some of the, And then you can click through, like, Advanced Tab and Batted Ball and get a feel for what the best pitching staffs in baseball are doing what they look with like. walks and strikeouts mm-hmm. and ground balls and things like that. You can sort by wins above replacement or just by earned run average, and fielding independent pitching if you want to keep it on the basic. A lot of times I start with that, and when we'll dig a little more granular. Twins, by the way, are very low on yeah. all of these lists. Yeah. So You'll want to sort still. in reverse order yeah. if you're looking for the Twins. <laughs> the way that I then do that is I, I'm like, oh, okay, so the Twins don't miss a lot of bats. Well, that's interesting. I mean, is that a philosophy, or is it just their players? I do this in the NBA a lot. Is this a is this a team-wide philosophy, or do they just not have the horses to implement what they want to do? Same thing in baseball. I go and I look, and I say, oh, okay, you use the Cardinals as an example. High ground ball rate. Interesting. I wonder if they're doing that on purpose and intentionally cultivating these guys. So then I'll click over and look at just the Cardinals pitchers. Who who pitched the most innings for the Cardinals? And they've got guys like Adam Wainwright who are just getting tons of ground balls. Tons of downward movement. Yeah. Same thing you can do. Jaime with the, Garcia. Do yeah. that with the Twins bullpen. Do that with the Twins starting staff. You start to get a feel of, 
okay, well, this is where the team as a collective whole resides. This is I kind of know what their identity is, but how is that identity? How is it comprised? Do they have some? In this case, a couple of great pitchers who are contributing in the positive directions in all these things, and then a couple of laggards sort of bringing down their averages and stuff like that. That's that's to me the informative way to look about it because then I don't look at Hector Santiago and say like. Eh, he can't really pitch. Mm-hmm. I look at him and I say, well, hey, is one of five starters on a staff that's supposed to be like reasonably competent but no one expected World Series caliber out of? Hector Santiago is fine. Now, if you want to take the next step, if you're the Twins, you convert the Kyle Gibson, Hector Santiago, Phil Hughes, Nick Tepish's, Adam Wilkes of the world. You make those into mid-rotation starters either by making those pitchers better, like a Kyle Gibson, you hope, in the next year or two, which... Maybe that ship has sailed. I think the ship has sailed. Totally possible. Yeah. The other one would be... If he was be, younger, I'd, I'd say differently. The other one is, okay, then move that group aside, figure something else out with them, and just add to the quality depth of your starting rotation. Much easier said than done, but it's the way to think about constructing a team over these you know, hundreds of innings over the course of a season. So just on the to put a wrap on the bullpen, and then I have actually a trivia question to wrap the podcast nice. for you. To put a wrap on the bullpen discussion, what should they do... Long term, look for guys who miss bats internally. Draft free agency. Just you need to miss more bats. So just that's it's very easy. Um, it's more than just that. Right. But I was going to say, but, but you need you just you don't miss enough bats. Just let me and before you get to your second one, guys who miss bats like Ryan Presley and Michael Tonkin less valuable than guys who miss bats like Jose Barreos, even Irvin Santana who doesn't have a really high swinging strike rate and kind of a higher than average career walk rate. But Santana knows exactly what he's doing. He's not accidentally giving up free passes. He's pitching at the periphery. He's getting guys to expand the strike zone. Chasing, missing, these are all great things. Getting weak contact, which Irvin's been excellent at this Mm -hmm. year. So, like, missing bats is great, and it's the first step. But there are multiple steps, too. Miss bats and don't walk the park. So I would spend the rest of the year at this, unless I could swing a trade, just kind of another Kevin Jepsen-type trade, but without giving up a ton of substance. If you could bring somebody in... A veteran to try and patch this thing up as you're still in contention, that'd be great. Otherwise, I'd spend the rest of the year just seeing what I've got at double A AA and triple A. Yeah. There's some talented arms. I would find out what I have at double and triple A, and I would cycle through guys. I would say goodbye to Matt Belisle here pretty soon. He's given yeah. you four months of leadership if that's the value that you were seeking. Sure. He hasn't given you effectiveness. It's been two months. So I've seen enough of Matt Belisle. I've seen enough of all of the the Drew Rusinski, Buddy Bushiers, Adam Wilk, like I I don't need to see any more of those guys, and um, you know, they already DFA Jason Wheeler, so I I would start to go to the most talented arms in Double and Triple A, and I would see what they've got. Yeah, a- end of story for me. Figure out what you have in Alan Buznitz, Trevor Hildenberger, John Curtis. What are these guys going to bring to the table eventually? Um, you said that you had a couple of uh, action plans for the Twins before we get to a trivia question. Or do you just want to jump to the trivia question? No, those are my action plans would be I, I would DFA Matt oh, oh, or, get, or, get rid of the... or disable list him. Yeah, if, I was going to say. A, sho- a shoulder, quote-unquote, whatever it is. Well, like, just put him on the DL. You say, quote-unquote, cynically. I wonder if he is hurt. Like, it's crazy that his ERA jumped from sub-3 one year to sub-2 the next year to unusable end of rotation trash yeah, like dead arm, it's whatever. it's weird i don't know what happened but it's possible that he is hurt uh if you want to a uh, little on-air production meeting for the giveaway if or the uh, trivia question here if you want to do a giveaway i just got a uh 
Brian Dozier t-shirt, one of those ones that you saw the commercials for. Okay. 10,000? You're my bear. Wow, okay. I've got one of those shirts, and I am more than willing to give that up for the winner of this trivia question. I mean, if, is it, if you is listen to game, 25- worn, game worn by you or no? <laughs> no. I think that I would have gotten some funny looks in the press box if I put on an XL <laughs> Brian Dozier t-shirt. Okay. Let's, uh, all right, this is courtesy of a friend of the Mackey and Judd show, Jason Stark. Okay. He threw this one our direction last week. So here's the contest rules, just like usual. Yep. Email dwetmore at 1500ESPN.com with the subject line trivia. And what is it today? Let's say by next Monday. Let's give through the weekend. So by okay. by noon next Monday. Wow, get rewarded for listening on the weekend. I like it. Yep, because so, usually it's a Friday deadline, but we're recording this on a Thursday. Sure. So, And it's, you know, Twins or West Coast. It's all casual right yeah, now. Yeah, I love it. It's all casual. So by noon on, is it the, is it June 5th? On Monday, the first Monday in June. Okay. <laughs> By noon yeah. on the first Monday in June 2017, email the correct answers to dwetmore at 1500ESPN.com, and we will randomly choose a winner from the winning answers. Awesome. Are you ready? You can give me your guesses off microphone. Okay, I was going right. to say, I don't want to ruin it for people, yeah. but I'll almost definitely get it wrong, so it wouldn't matter anyways. Miguel Sano is hovering around a 1,000 OPS, which is ridiculous. That's a That's a... Astronomical OPS. Only three other Twins players in history have finished a full season with an OPS of 1,000 or better. Name those three Twins. Email the correct answers to D, and you have to. You, you can't send ten names, and you have to send exactly three names. They have to be the three correct names, and we will draw randomly for that Brian Dozier T-shirt and send to the winner. D. Wetmore at 1500ESPN.com. Awesome. Subject line trivia by noon on Monday. Yeah, sweet. Awesome. See you guys 5th. next week. I'll give you my answers off mic here, Phil, and you can tell me on Twitter how wrong I was. <laughs>